You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright, the power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected, a place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful, sunny, getting warm, La Quinta, California. And I am so glad that you're here with me today because I've got a really, really amazing show. Um, I have got Diane Sherman with us. And if you have not seen the YouTube video of her, I suggest you do that because she has an amazing story. You see, about 30 years ago, she had a near-death experience, and she can articulate everything that she went through when she was on the other side. I think this is so important for people to understand that death is really not death. It's actually a birth into another dimension. And I think this is going to relieve a lot, a lot of stress about people because you know what? We do have this common knowledge. We don't know what to expect. We have a hunch, but we really don't. So we have to gain our knowledge from people who have already experienced this. And this is going to be so fascinating. Um, because it's high time we realize that there is no such thing as death. We can and do survive. All of your loved ones who have passed uh, know that they have experienced this and feel relieved because death is not the blackness that we think it is. Death is simply birthing in to a new dimension. And I just love this. That's why I wanted to have Diane on with me today so that she can reveal everything that she experienced. And because of this, she got some extra special skills and it's just wonderful. So I really want you to kind of just take it all in and know that What you experience after this life is something absolutely amazing, and it's beautiful, and you can just rest assured that your loved ones have experienced the same thing. So sit back, relax, get a cool beverage or whatever. Watch these short commercial breaks, and we will be right back with Diane Sherman. It's here, it's hot, and it's a must-read. It's the science behind The Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net. That's Law of Attraction Magazine 
www.net.net. Did you know that every human uses only a small portion of their powerful mind? Jules Johnson, International Certified Hypnotherapist, wants to introduce you to your powerful mind in order to create your dream life. In as little as one session, Jules guides you into releasing limiting beliefs that keep you from achieving wealth, health, better relationships, and even true love. Schedule a session in Palm Springs or set up a Skype video session for those nationally and internationally. Jules would love to serve as your guide into living your dreams. Go to creativeguidedimagery.com or call 951-201-2166. That's creativeguidedimagery.com. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network, heard by millions worldwide through 38 internet radio stations and in over 135 countries. Be sure to sign up for your monthly updates and get all the latest information on LOA radio events such as cruises, workshops, and seminars, as well as information on the latest shows, topics, and guests. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com and sign up today. Well, welcome, Diane Sherman, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I am delighted to meet you because you have a phenomenal story that needs to be told if people haven't already heard it, but it is um, so inspirational, so spiritual, and so full of love that it's high time people know who you are in the law of attraction area. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate, you know, the takeaway that you have from the work I do and that you feel to, you know, forward it and have people hear it. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Because it's always a question. And as we go on in life, it's kind of like we forget it, then we have to come back and we forget it. We have to come back and we have to be reminded, hey, there's something bigger than what we're experiencing right now in this 3D world. And this is important. This is really important. So first of all, 30 years ago, you had an experience uh, which caused you to have a near death. And I kind of really would like to go in and start right there. Okay. 1981. I went in to have arthroscopic surgery and I had waited 10 years to have this surgery. And, you know, at that time they had kind of perfected it. And so it wasn't a big deal. And that's why I waited to have it. And, you know, it's not in the trunk of your body. It's an extremity. I had it on my knee. I had dislocated my knee and done all kinds of damage 10 years before. And so this was going to, you know, sort of fix things up. Um, I was in my early 30s at the time and, uh, you know, didn't give it a second thought. And it was interesting that morning uh, when I went in, uh, I was laying on the gurney in the hallway, had had a pre-op shot and I was freezing. I was absolutely freezing. And I started to, you know, rack a little bit, shake. Um, I do a lot of somatic release anyway, but that just really, and I was, I was so uncomfortable. And one of the nurses came up to me and she said, let me get you a heated blanket. Didn't know there was such a thing, but I thought, gee, that sounds really good. Yeah. So she, she brought up this heated blanket and put it on me and it had a little weight to it. And that seemed to just like calm my whole system down. It was like somebody 
was making this all okay for me. And at the time, you know, I wasn't feeling worried about the surgery. I wasn't nervous about anything. Um, I had been going through some emotional stuff weeks before. Uh, I kind of hit the wall in my life about, you know, where I was going, what I was doing, because the career that I had in modeling was coming to an end. I was at an age at that time where you couldn't just continue on. And I really didn't know what the hell I was going to do. And so I had lots of questions, you know, and, and I had been praying really hard about, you know, show me something, guide me here somehow, somebody give me something to go on. And so I went into surgery and they put another blanket on, which just at that point was exactly what I needed. And I went out, I was out before I even had, you know, the full anesthesia. And when I awakened in recovery, there was a lot of hustle and bustle going on in the bed next to me. And I, I was trying not to watch it, trying not to listen to it. You know, it, somebody else was having a moment and I thought, I don't want to be intrusive to that moment. And I was still in my own kind of reverie of what was going on. And I hear them saying to this person, Diane, Diane, wake up, wake up. And I'm thinking to myself, how weird is that that we have the same name? And a few minutes later, they're saying, Diane Sherman, wake up, Diane Sherman, wake up. And I'm now I'm like, they've got my attention. I'm saying, hey, I'm right here. That's me. That's my name. And I'm fine. They're not paying any attention to me. And I'm thinking, well, you know, they're working really valiantly to kind of save this person's life. So I understand why they're not paying attention to me. Next thing I know, I'm standing at the bottom of that person's bed and I look up and it's me. And there wasn't a moment's hesitation where I felt connected, worried, concerned. There was nothing. It was kind of like a movie going by. I was just watching. And it was almost that feeling of like somebody said, please pass the soul. You know, it was like normal. And at the time I thought, that's interesting. And I'm standing there and I happen to look down and I'm still in physical form. And I'm looking at me in the bed and I'm thinking, wow, it's so bizarre that I have no connection to me in the bed. Next thing I know, I'm extricated up and out of that space. And I'm now in the corner of the room looking down on what's going on and what's happening. And I, I've got this panorama of stuff in front of me. And it was kind of like, I have no curiosity about it. I have no interest here. It was like, it's gone, neutral, totally neutral. And the next thing I knew I'm being extricated out of the room and being kind of like shoved forward. And I can still feel it when I say that. My back wants to arch in pushing back on it because I didn't want to go forward because I'm now going into darkness. And as a kid, I was terrified of being blind in the dark and, and also not knowing what was coming at me in the dark because it was trauma in childhood. And so here I'm going into this kind of abject blackness and I'm just really resistant to it, but I'm being shoved into it anyway. And, you know, I later found out that was the tunnel. Who knew? I, I had never heard of a near-death experience. I've never, 
I had at that time had never been aware that there was such a thing as an NDE or that Raymond Moody had written his book or anything. I, I knew nothing. You know, we didn't have computers and information that you could just grab. So if it wasn't in the paper, wasn't on TV, I wasn't going to be aware of it. Next thing I know, I am just in panic because I'm in blackness, which I'm terrified of. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I could just find a little glimmer of light, I'm going to be okay. Because I know if I can see, I can be okay. And as I'm looking and looking and straining, I can even remember feeling the straining of looking. All of a sudden, there's just this flick of light as far out as I could see. And I thought, okay, I'm locked onto it. I just have to stay with that. If I stay with that, I'll be okay. And as I'm thinking that or feeling that, it starts to grow as it's coming closer. It's getting bigger. As it's coming closer, it's getting bigger. And the next thing I know, it is everything around me. Everything that I'm experiencing is this light. And it's it's not white like we know white. It's it's a there's no terminology for this stuff. That's what's so frustrating. After all these years, I still don't have terminology for it. It has a luminescence to it that is just I can't speak the words. It's a color of white we've never seen in our spectrum. It's so bright. Wow. It takes your breath away, but it doesn't. It doesn't hurt your eyes. It's it's not intrusive in any way. It's just, it's so gorgeous, you know, and it feels so yummy on so many levels that I'm, I'm fascinated by what's happening. And I'm just now floating in this white and moving. And I start to get to wherever I'm supposed to be. And the, the light, this diaphanous, cloud-like white starts to part. And now I'm floating out of it. And ahead of me, there are two rows of beings dressed in monks' robes. Brown monks' robes. Now, 12 years of Catholic school, being raised Catholic, I guess that was my connection. And monks, for me, were always the sweet part of the religion, priests were not. And so they were sort of gentle and benign and all of that. And because uh, they were at the missions, you know, they weren't church, you know, they weren't the rule keepers or the ones in, that you would, if you went to confession, you know, they weren't those people. So as I'm coming out, they've got their hoods up. And the one on the very end, on the left, steps forward as I'm stopping floating between all of them. And I think there were four or five rows on either side. I mean, four or five beings on either side of these two rows. And this one that steps out, I turn around and I look at him. And I say he because, or him, because he felt in charge, masculine taking care, fatherly, all the good aspects of the male that we, we look for and, and appreciate. And as he's speaking to me, I'm looking inside of his hood and there's no face. Wow. It's energy that's, that's kind of like, you know, it's just, it's, it's moving, but subtly moving. It's not distracting and it's, 
it's it's not like a video game, you know, it's just really subtle. And there was no feeling of, well, why does he look like that? You know, there was none of that. It it felt normal. It felt almost expected. Wow. And he spoke to me, but there was no out loud. He spoke to me inside of me. And as he spoke to me, he said, it's not your time. You cannot stay. And I looked at him and I said, I, I, I just found home. I just found unconditional love for the first time in my life being in all of this. You can't send me back. And he said, but it's not your time. You cannot stay. You must go back. And I said, wait a minute. I've worked my whole life to get to this place, to find this feeling, to have this connection to myself and everything else. You cannot send me out of this. I've just come home. And he said, you have a child. You cannot stay. You must go back. And I'm thinking about my daughter, who I love dearly, who was six years old at the time. And I was divorced and my parents were dead. My sister was not a healthy candidate for caregiving. My ex-husband was my ex-husband for a reason. There was nobody who would love her on the level that I wanted her to be loved. And in that moment, I'm back in my body, in my hospital room. Wow. Wow. So what was the first thought that you had when you, did you remember all of this? You didn't. I didn't know what was real, what was drug induced from the anesthesia. Um, I, I had no concept that these things happened. I, I had no idea. Um, I did notice that my roommate who had had much less surgery than I had, because the reason I, I think I flatlined, lots of reasons. I was looking for a way out. But I think it was because, well, first of all, I had low blood pressure and I was thin and I'd been on the table too long under anesthesia. They had to do almost two hours more work than they had planned. They didn't know at the time that many years ago how much damage I had because I didn't have an MRI. You know, they didn't have that then. Sure. Um, so there was a lot of work they had to do. I was not in pain. My roommate, who had had very little done to her, was in agony, asking for pain meds like crazy. I hadn't had any. And they got me up walking that night. And I went home the next morning. And you didn't tell anybody the experience that you had? How you am I gonna, know, yeah, you didn't know what to make out of it. Well, what, what was I going to tell them? And were they going to think I had lost my mind? <laughs> that was the last thing I needed. You know, I never told my priest or a therapist or anything else what had happened because <clears throat> I thought they would think I was crazy. And there was that in my family. And I thought, I'm not going there. I'm not going to talk about that. Wow. Can you imagine how many people having that experience are afraid to even mention it like you? That's very interesting. Well, the thing was, is that, you know, when I was over this experience and I was out in public, I was also all of a sudden 
hypersensitive to people's feelings and needs and wants and stories and pain and suffering and dialogue. And it was like, what, what is that? How am I hearing that stuff? You know, I thought I was becoming psychotic because I'm hearing all these voices in my head or inside of my body, you know, depending on how it was perceived. And how was I able to do it? Why was I doing it? And what does that even mean? And what do I do with it? So it was overwhelming. It was really overwhelming. And then when I started to get bits and pieces of flashback of what had gone on, I felt like I was being punished by God for being sent back. And, you know, to this day, I don't know. I hope I came back for my daughter. I don't know if I was sent back or came back. I I think the fact that I was thinking about her and loving her in that moment of thinking of her and wanting so much for her to have the best, I think that's why I went into my body is because I knew I had to come back. But I'll never know until I'm back on the other side. Wow. Wow. So how did you discover that it was a near-death experience? Well, I was led to people who were spiritual, which I hadn't been involved with before. And they taught me how to meditate. And we, we would do these guided meditations together and whatnot. And they were helping me understand what had happened to me. And I was learning how to channel who knew I could do that, you know, all these funny things. And they were very well versed in all of the spiritual arts. And so I had some really wonderful teachers. And that helped me understand what had transpired. But you know, it wasn't until seven years ago, when I went to hear somebody speak who'd had a near death experience at an IONS. Oh, yeah. And in the middle of the talk, Something went off inside of me and said, you have to do this. You have to tell your story. And I thought, I'll never do that because, first of all, I don't like public speaking. I'm not getting up in front of people and talking about something like that. I'll never do that. And something just kept pushing and pushing and pushing on me. And I knew, okay, here we go again. I'm going to be pushed out of my comfort zone and I need to do this. And that's when it all opened up for me because I had been working with clients for a long time. But um, after my near death and I finally, you know, asked to speak at an IONS meeting and that led me to another IONS meeting, you know, and it just kind of snowballed and people asked to film my story, which I thought, how odd, why would they want to film my story? But they ended up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And my last one, the clear site, the one that you saw, has had 374,000 hits. Mm-hmm. And that's where my clients come from. They come from all over the world because they see that and they feel some kind of connection to it and they call me or email me or whatever. And I had no idea any of this would transpire. But Spirit said, We need you to do this. And I said, Yes. And so seven years ago is when it really got big. Well, what, what do you think 
were you sent back so that you could be like a spiritual teacher for all of these people? Yeah. That you, they, from that experience, you got all of this insight besides your ability to actually hear and have the, you could feel the emotions and the empath. And so you got these abilities. So that was your purpose for coming back. I think the main purpose was to come back to let people know there's nothing to be afraid of. We are loved unconditionally. There's such love and support and guidance for us on the other side. You know, they have hospital and education on the other side. Whatever shape anybody's in, they are received so lovingly and cared for with such devotion until they can write themselves, until they can, you know, kind of get on board with where they are. It's incredible. And the amazing thing about being on the other side is when you're there, you're connected to all. You you have access to all the information about everything. Wow. I, I wish we could hold on to more of that. You know, you get to bring a little bit of this and that back. But that sense of awareness and all rightness and connection to all there is, is just incredible. And that's what everybody feels on the other side, you know. You didn't get to experience seeing uh, your parents or anybody else had had passed. No. That was before. I mean, I take it that they stopped you before you got to that place where you could. Well, I don't know so much that that was it. I think each person has a very analogous experience for themselves. And this was perfect for me. Uh, seeing my parents wouldn't necessarily have been something I wanted or really needed. Um, I have since had visions with my father and mother and sister uh, from the other side. Um, I can speak to the other side at times. You know, I'm not a medium, but I do have access to doing that at times. It just depends what spirit wants me to do. You know, I've been clairaudient, clairsentient, and clairvoyant in my in my lifetime. And some of those things are bigger at certain times than at others. And now I'm just sort of a conscious channel. It's always on. Hmm. And it's very subtle for a lot of people, although I will dialogue about them and I will say to them, how I see them, what's going on with them, their stories and their dialogues and all that. And they're always kind of like, wow, that's, that's me. You know, and it's like, yeah, I know that you, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading you. I can feel that. I can sense that with you. So you're able to, uh, and I would assume because of your experience that you get quite a few people who are experiencing the grief of losing someone. Is that correct? I don't get a lot of that. I do get some of that. Yeah. So that you can share that life does not end? Absolutely. Because life doesn't end. You know, this is just a, a stop on the road. You know, the, the next um, part of our experience is a bigger, better adventure. You know, I think we cycle through back into being humans because first of all it's fun to have emotions and go for the ride of all of that they're not always fun emotions but right. you know you don't have the emotions on the other side and you know there's a there's a desire to learn and to grow and to be different you know there is a life review 
um, I have learned this, not being on the other side, but I have learned this. You know, there's that sense for me of knowingness. I can hear something and I know whether it's a truth for me or not. So the life review, as I understand it, is we are able to feel, perceive what everybody experienced in their interaction with us. And we get to judge, is that who I wanted to be? Is that how I wanted to show up? Would I have done something differently? You know, it's, it's almost information gathering. And so I was raised, you know, in the belief that hell and damnation was the judgment. And when I came back from my near-death experience, one of the things I did was to walk away from my religion. I walked away from the Catholic Church because I had found there were so many discriminations in what I had been raised being taught than what I realized and perceived on the other side. There is no judgment. There's absolutely no judgment on us, whatever. and. There's only unconditional love. There's no reason when you're in that realm at that vibratory frequency to have judgment because there's such an understanding of all of it. And there's just love. So I would think that we judge ourselves. Harshly. Harshly. Continuously. And they don't. But we do. There's our downfall. Well, you know, in the work that I've done all these years, the perception that the little kid gets about how they think their parents perceive them and think about them and feel about them is what gets connected inside vibrationally. And that's the operating system that they operate from out in the world. And then all the experiences come to them that match that. And that's usually negative. You know, because there's a, I'm not good enough. There, you know, there's a sense of having been rejected in some way or other for some reason. And the kid is always wrong because they make themselves responsible for whatever the parents did wrong. Because otherwise they'd be abandoned emotionally from that parent. So they have to take on the responsibility for whatever is not working in the interaction. And they make themselves wrong. And then they go through life feeling less than in whatever way they choose. And And parents do the same thing. Parents do the exact same thing. They take responsibility if their child does something wrong. But it's you're saying it's an individual that we're not. Nobody is wrong. It's just the way it is. Well, it's the way we perceive it. You know, we make ourselves wrong. I'm not good enough. I, I'm I'm less than. Uh, I, I'm not a. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I I'm not good enough in sports. Whatever it is, they think their parents want that they're not doing, and they're not taking into consideration that the parents have their own brokenness, their own damage. The kids taking on the responsibility, and it's not theirs to take on, but they don't know that, and so their operating system is flawed. So they're not feeling confident and loved and all of that stuff the way they could or should. I hate should, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. So we're about the law of attraction. Yes. So how does the law of attraction then play in to the other side? 
Um, is it law of attraction just on this plane or this dimension? Or when we go over to the other side, is the law of attraction still very prevalent in that we can manifest things immediately? Yes. I mean, what you want on the other side, you can manifest. Absolutely. What we don't know on this side is how to really manifest here. Yes. You know, we don't own the fact that we have to deserve, we have to know we deserve inside of ourselves that we are, you know, in alignment with whatever it is we're wanting to bring it in. You, you can't do this and expect it to come. And that's the biggest flaw is you have to line up with having it. You have to receive graciously. You have to know it's a done deal. It's like the Aborigines. You know, they, they get up in the morning and they, they're in gratitude for whatever they're going to experience in that day, knowing it's already done. They're going to have housing and food and whatever they need, it's going to be, it's going to show up for them. So they're in gratitude long before they ever get to that place. And that's kind of what we need to do. We need to know it's a done deal. Of course, I'm having that. Of course. It's, it's like the old parking karma. Uh-huh. For me, I always know that I'm going to have not only the parking space that I need, but the perfect parking space for me. So I never have a moment's thought that, well, what if the parking lot's full? Well, what if I can't find? I never have those thoughts because I know it's taken care of. Yeah. When I get up in the morning, I'm in gratitude for the lovely people I'm going to be interacting with. Um how however my day is going to flow that I need it to flow for me in that way to be gentle and uplifting and playful and whatever it is I'm, I'm asking for. I know it's going to be that for me. So when we go to the other side, then it's automatic with the law of attraction it, because we are void then of a lot of our emotions. We're seeing our emotions as a third person rather than experience it within us you're not in your emotions because spirit doesn't have emotions you have the awareness of your emotions what they were how they worked and all of that you get to see it interesting so it's it's really wonderful to know that as soon as we go over we've got the law of attraction at the tip of our fingers and we're going to be able to manifest everything so what we've been frustrated with in this lifetime that we are not seeing the instant manifestations, we will later. But so how do we how do we work the law of attraction now to be so wonderful for us and a jumping off point for the other side? Well, to understand that the law of attraction is physics, you know, it's it's a magnet. Where we where we don't bring it to fruition is wanting something that you're not lined up with having wanting something that's not analogous to who you are. Right. And on, on the other side, we don't have that problem on the other side. You won't care. Oh, isn't that, it won't, it won't be a thought. It won't be an issue. Who cares? It's, it's, there's no ego on the other side. So the law of attraction it works, but who cares? 
you have all that's important to you on the other side without even thinking about it. It's just there. So you're basically telling us, which is a fantastic point, is that the law of attraction that we're experiencing here as a human is really, we are doing it with our own egos. And that ego is not allowing us to go as far as what we could do without the ego. Is that correct? Well, yes and no. Um, I've had people say to me, you know, who have abundance issues. And I've had people say to me, well, you know, there are some terrible people out there that, that have lots of money. How is that right? Because I work on being a good person and I do what I think I'm supposed to be doing here. And, and I'm still not having what I need. And, and I say to them, in all honesty, the person who is not necessarily a nice person, who's got all that money and toys and whatnot, they don't have an issue with receiving. Good point. It's that simple. I want this, that, and that, and of course I can have it. Why wouldn't I have it? That's the attitude. And of course they have it. They know how to, how to do that. So our issue then would be that we don't think that we actually deserve that. So that's the stopping point. And, and we don't believe that we can really manifest. And part of us, not all, not everybody, you know, everybody's got their own little bits and pieces of this. Don't believe they deserve. Don't believe that it's right for them to receive. If they're feeling less than, how are they going to receive something that's huge? It, it's like the people who win the lottery, you know, $15 million. And in two years, the money's gone because they are familiar with struggle. They're unfamiliar with luxury and ease until they shift over to appreciating and understanding and allowing luxury and ease. They're going to do everything they can to get rid of it and go back to what they knew. It's about loving ourselves. That's the crux of everything. It's about loving ourselves. And, and we're not doing that. And appreciating ourselves and, and really liking ourselves and allowing ourselves to. And celebrating ourselves. That. And if we were doing that, we wouldn't be having this discussion. The law of attraction wouldn't be anything we're talking about because everybody would be flowing with the flow. So we have to learn about this when we come back for every single life or in our next life are we going to remember any of this will we have to start over good question some people say that when you come through the birth canal you you forget now i was born cesarean and i did not come through the birth canal and i do have a sense that I was still aware, because as a kid, I was a very pious kid. You know, that was my comfort zone, was the religion and the saints and all of that, and in awe of their life stories, you know. So I don't, I don't know. Um, do we come in to learn more and to grow more every time? Yeah. Do we come in to have a good time? I have met people who have come in just to have a good time. And they do. You know, we didn't come in to suffer. That was never why we were created. 
That is important to remember. We didn't come in to suffer, and suffering is our own choice. Well, not everybody understands why they're suffering. That's the big difference. Um, there's always going to be stuff that happens. You know, life can be cyclical and whatnot, and, and there's always something that's going to come in. It's what you choose to do about it, how you choose to feel about it. Are you making yourself wrong? Are you beating yourself up? Are you feeling something negative about it? Or are you knowing that spirit's got your back? It's going to be okay. It's just going to need to get, have time to clean it up, and then you'll be fine. You know, my mantra is all is well no matter what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I know all is well because spirit's working on my behalf 24-7. I may not understand the big picture of all of this. I, I may not get what's really happening, but I know there is love and intention and attention to me at all times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that saves me so much pain. Now, the other thing is, if we get wired in childhood to feel badly about ourselves, we're going to keep attracting people who will make us feel badly about ourselves or circumstances that we will feel badly about ourselves in. That's where we have the power over the suffering. We need to get in there and stop that behavior, stop that intentional not loving of self. Because you're writing your own TV show. I'm writing my own TV show. How do we want it to run? How do we want it to look? Do we want to be loved and 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 cared for and celebrated and educated and played with and or or do we want to be victims forever mm. see I was a victim when I went into the hospital I, I was in victim mode I thought life was happening to me I had no concept that life was happening through me that, that was the happen. big change for me when I realized I had skin in the game. I had some power here. I could make some changes. It doesn't have to be like that. It, it's my perception that it's not safe. Everything's wrong. It's never going to be okay. That had to be changed. I came from a family that believed that. And thank God, literally, I had to die to figure that out. Thank God I died to get a life. Mm. And that That's amazing? what it took. For me to get a life. I mean, that cost me two by four in the back of my head. Yeah, I needed that big time because my thinking was so skewed. And I was really fortunate. I grew up in a wealthy family and I had, you know, everything physically that anybody would want. It was the emotional place. It was the, the psychological place and the mental place that was so devastating for me. But my needs were always met. So you only had to uh, concentrate on the emotions and people don't realize that even if they have all the money in the world, if they don't have that emotional balance, they have nothing. Exactly. They have less than nothing because the money helps to cover it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keeps it further away from you from discovering exactly. what is going on. That's true. That's true. I mean, being being raised in that in that way or in that era, I watched wives 
friends of my parents' wives at times who were trying to, you know, speak up and do what they needed to do. I was privy to them being sent away to places, you know, because the husbands had the power to do that then. I was born in 1946. You could do a lot. Women had no power. That's right. They couldn't buy a home. They couldn't buy property. They couldn't have a bank account. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. It was tough. So let's, um, I want to talk about people who have this ability because you are getting messages from the other side or how do you, how does that happen? Is it other spirits coming through for that person or, or what is it? You know, that's a good question. I, I'm, uh, I can only tell you my feeling about that because I don't know for sure. I have worked with different energies through the years. Um, I, I used to do space clearing and whatnot because uh, feng shui was a big deal for me at one point in time. And, and I had uh, a mentor and guide by the name of White Smoke that used to, and I would chant his, you know, he would channel through me and I would chant his Indian chants as I was cleaning the house. Um, I have a connection with spirit and that's all I can tell you. I have a connection with spirit. I don't know if spirit is talking to my clients, guides, mentors, mentors, whatever. I don't know. Um, I do know that when something is needed to be known, it comes and it comes right here. And there's also a knowingness in my body. And I would take it to the bank every day. I mean, I am so certain of it, even though I have said some really weird things to people at times in my, my life. Um, I've just learned that it has to come through. When my daughter was little, we might be in an elevator, you know, like a medical building or something. We're in an elevator and it's a little tight. And I would turn around to the person next to me or behind me. And I would say something that would either make them cry or laugh. And I knew, knew nothing about these people, but it, it had to come out. I have stopped doing that, luckily, <laughs> but I did years of that. And, and I know at the time it shifted them big time. They needed that shift. I don't know why, because I didn't know them. I just knew I had to deliver the message. And the few times when I refused to do it, it was like I had stoved up my body so severely. I was in pain for days. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. So we do have this connection to the other side in that everyone, I would assume, gets messages either through dreams or just um, uh, uh, what they would call like seeing something for the first time or a miracle happening. We do have that constant um, communication. Communication. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So that we know we're not alone, so that we know that they're here with us. But for most people, not everybody, but people will say to me, well, you know, if spirit would just show me something, I'd really believe it. I'd really get behind it. And I said, but that's not how it works. You have to believe it in order to see it. It opens up when you believe. Oh, so it is the law of attraction. 
course, everything is the law of attraction. So if you're going to want a message from the other side, you have to believe that you're going to get it. And you have to be quiet enough internally in order to get it because they're subtle. It's not like somebody standing here saying, well, tell this person this, that, and the, you know, it's not like that. It's very subtle. It's energetic. Wow. It's the same thing inside of my body when I feel it, you know, when there's dialogue inside of me. It's subtle. You have to be in the present, like Eckhart Tolle talks about, in the present, right here. You can't hear it when you're busy out there talking, doing stuff. you got to be, you know, allowing the space for it. So you have to quiet everything. You have to in quiet order down. For you can hear, so you can hear. If you, have a, if you want to have a conversation. But anybody could have a conversation with anyone if they simply, there is nothing stopping us from communicating with the other side. Or Absolutely. even further, to a living person that may be in another continent. I do that. When my daughter was away at school, I'm in Los Angeles. She was at Boston University. I didn't, I didn't want to be one of those nagging moms who was always, you know, calling her. What are you doing? Are you okay? You know, what's going on? I didn't want to do that to her. So I would just sit in meditation and feel her and know that she was okay. And once I knew she was okay, I could leave her alone and wait until she called me. And she thought I was the most cool mom because I never dogged her when she was in college. But anybody can do that. They just have to trust that they can. So we can seek advice for our life situation at a particular time. And we just have to quiet down and know that the answer is going to come. And is trust the answer when it does come. Mm. When I started out working, I didn't trust my own abilities and awarenesses. I started writing with Mother Mary. I did automatic with writing with Mother Mary for about 15 years. And wow. she taught me and healed me in so many ways. It was incredible. And, they, you know, I would write to for the client from Mother Mary and hand it to them. Then I started realizing I can't do that anymore. It was exhausting me. I was getting really tired with it, which in the beginning, I, I, there was no exhaustion. But I realized it's shutting, it's shutting down. There's something I'm supposed to do differently. And that's when I became a conscious channel. And we just have to trust who we are on every level. As a human being, trust our goodness, trust our gifts, trust our hearts, trust. You know, I tell my clients, heart and solar plexus, always go there. Don't go up here. That's the monkey mind. Go here. Wow. It's, you know, ask, is this my highest good? Is this what my heart is leading me to? Is this what I really want? And wait and feel the response. Oh, wow. This is so important for people to hear and to be constantly reminded is that we don't have to search. We can find it. It's we, we know everything we need to know inside of ourselves. Oh. It's all there for each and every one of us. You don't have to have a near-death experience or, or an STE or an OBE to have that. It's for everybody. You know, we came in with guidance. We came in with our intuition intact. Gut instinct, as people call it at times. 
That's our Geiger counter, our GPS. Why aren't we using it? Why aren't we engaging it? We're engaging this. We're living from the neck up. Mm, how true. How, how much fun is that? Talking heads. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so hard. Um, and I will say for myself as well, it's so hard to forget that we're not in this 3D world where everything we're seeing is here and that we really have to exercise the imagination to be able to bring that other side to us. And it's not really imagination, but it's another brainwave, I should say. When we step out of the ego mind and step into that other part of ourselves, it connects us to the universe in all information and in all ways. We're limitless. You know, we are co-creators with God. We are the extension of the God force on the planet. Why are we playing small? <laughs> because of fear. Yeah. My, favorite, my favorite analogy for fear F-E-A-R, forgetting everything's all right. When we go into fear, we're just forgetting everything's all right. Nothing's going on. My needs are being met right here, right now. So all I need to know, do not project out into the future. That can change in a moment's notice. Be right here. This moment, to this moment, to this moment. Stay in that place. You won't get in trouble. You won't get hurt. Because the law of attraction works that way. If you have fear, you're going to be attracting that fear to you. If you're staying right here, centered, you're only going to be attracting the goodness or the balance back to you. So we have to stay away from that, understand and be aware of our emotions almost all the time. It's yeah. like a 24-hour thing. Even That's when exactly you're what it is. You have to be aware of the emotions you are feeling as you were dreaming. I mean, I wake up going, wow, that was a strange dream. Why in the heck? So let's talk about that. Why are we having those dreams? It's just our imaginations going off like crazy? Or can we get messages through our dreams? We can always get messages through our dreams. And I always look at dreams as I'm playing all the roles. And I think it's our psyche's way of working out whatever trauma we experienced during the day, whether it was a TV show, news, or an interaction with another human being, or the bills are due and I don't have the money kind of thing, whatever it is. It, it's, it's the way of processing it out. That's why sleep is so important because it gives us an opportunity to rest and rejuvenate in our minds as well as you know, in our bodies. And in our emotions and, as well. And, and our emotions. And that's why for me, meditation is key. Absolute key. It was the thing that allowed me to connect back up when I came back. As I said to spirit, I'm not staying here if I can't connect to some of this. And I was taught to meditate and it saved my life. And I meditate every morning. And how long do you meditate? 20 minutes. It doesn't take much, does it? it it's just, just getting into that altered state, you know? And 
I don't need help meditating, but I have found that Deepak Chopra and Oprah Winfrey's combined meditations have been just stellar for me because it's a spiritual speak I love hearing. It's a reminder to love myself and everybody else and enjoy it and see everything in a light way, in a gentle way. And it's, it's 20 minutes out the door. It's the one time in my day when I'm not on because I am processing people in pain all day. You know, that's true. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a fabulous a way to meditate. It's true. First, Oprah comes out and gives a, a wonderful explanation or, or something. And then Deepak goes on and he gives us the words in which we focus on that removes our, our brain from our every, everyday lives so we can just sort of transform ourselves. And it does make a huge difference. Well, you know, meditating rewires the brain. If there has been trauma, and I don't know anybody who didn't have trauma of some kind, Mm. um, if there's trauma, it helps to rewire the brain out of the pain and suffering and into, this could be fun. This could be okay. Let's go do, let's go play. It, It allows you to have a different experience in your day. Absolutely. And we all need that. And for, for me, it's the one time in my day when I can totally let go is when I'm doing that. You know, because life is moving very fast right now, and we, we kind of have to be cognizant of what's happening. And at this stage of the game, because I'm not, I'm not a kid anymore, I'm going to be 73 this year, it's really important for me to stay present more than ever. To stay and, present. And the fact that I'm closer to going home now than I've ever been is thrilling, but I still want to have a wonderful time and do good work while I'm here. So my mindset is my biggest job. Wow. So when, I don't know if you would know this, but before you decide to come back for another fun experience on whatever planet, um, do you get a choice of what you want to experience or is it just sort of? No, no. Listen, we're in free will. We're in the state of free will. So we don't have to come back. That's totally as to each individual. Wow. We don't have to do anything. We're not judged. We're not anything but loved. The choices are limitless for us. Even those people who murder or who do horrific things, they're still loved. They're still part of the God consciousness. That's why there's hospital and education on the other side. Ooh. What are they trying to shift when we go through that? The education in the hospital. They're trying to shift them out of their original pain and suffering. Whatever it is that created, God created in them that created some kind of damaged ego in them that they, you know, hurt other people because damaged, hurt people. The only thing they have to offer is their pain. Mm. And so they work to rectify that on the other side. Wow. And, you know, there are people who talk about the near death experiences with hell and all of that, even though there is no hell. Um, 
I think for some people, they have to manifest that in order to satisfy themselves. I choose not to believe. <laughs> I don't want to believe in hell. <laughs> Oh, you've yeah. got you've got that right here on earth. You don't need it on the other side. You know, hell is our own making. That's right. We don't even know we're doing it, but we are. And we're keeping it going. So one final question, because we're almost out of time. What about the people who come into this life and develop Alzheimer's? What, why is it that, are, is it their fear that's creating that so that blocks? Or is it a lesson for those around them? Because it's painful no matter who you are. I think dementia and Alzheimer's, I have a very dear friend who calls them all timers because they've got one foot in reality and one foot on the other side. And I think it's people who cannot handle being on the planet anymore. It's too big. It's too overwhelming. It's too painful. It's too harsh. It's demanding too much of them. They just retreat out. And that's why so many of them, when you go to see them in the facilities they're in, and you try to remind them of who they are and what the connection is, you know, they get really agitated and angry because they don't want to come back to that awareness. It's too hard. It's really not for their families. It's their own journey. And the families, as painful as it is, needs to let them have the process. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing really you can do for them once they're in that and they're experiencing. It's just painful to see that they, you know, my mother had it and she couldn't remember who I was. It's very, very, very painful. I'm sure that was hurtful for you. But, you know, if she had been in her right mind, she would have known exactly who you were. But she was going to another world of her own making because she couldn't tolerate being here. There's a part of her that was too fragile to be here. That's true. Very true. So it wasn't about you. It was about what she could handle. Yeah. And that's what people have to remember because... Those that are left are so hurt by the lack of acknowledgement and, and the lack of knowing them, but it has really nothing to do with them. And it's not like they're abandoning you. They're abandoning themselves. Right. Ooh. See, they don't have enough of themselves to work through whatever they needed to work through. They just have to retreat. So don't be hurt by it. I, I totally understand that. It, because with my father's death, it was such a peaceful, beautiful, moving, blue light experience. I mean, it was just wonderful, wonderful to see him transition into this total peace. I just loved it. I, I, you know, as much as you don't want to see him go, but my goodness, you absolutely understand that he's just going somewhere else. Oh, yeah. He's going on a new adventure. You know, as you get older and your body parts start falling apart and things get harder to manage and all of that, you know, it's nature's way of getting you to wind down a little bit because you will be leaving this vehicle, you know, as, as we should. It no longer serves you. You need a whole new platform. And that's what's exciting. You know, we're never stopping. We can stop incarnating, but we're never stopping Growing, changing, having adventures. We're, we're everlasting. 
Death is nothing to be afraid of. Neither's life. And life. <laughs> that, that's my big one is I was scared of life. Yeah. Death is the easy one. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's life. But because you went on the other side, it gives you more insight on how to live this side, on this, on this side. I look for the magic and the miracles all day long, the synchronicities. That's my focus because they're always talking to me that way. And I love that. It just makes my heart happy all the time. But, you know, that's something you have to work at getting. It's giving yourself permission to step out of the fear and the worry and look for the magic and the miracles. They are there. And that's the message to all of my love attraction listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Just relax, trust, and know that everything is working out perfectly, right? Yep. That's wonderful. So how can people find you? Because I know that there's going to be quite a few that want to come and talk to you personally so that they can get things straight in their head. Well, my office phone number is 707-407-0309. My website is guidingyourspirit.com. And they can email me through that, or they can email me at Diane, D-I-A-N-N-E, at guidingyourspirit.com. Wonderful. Wonderful. And you still are, I would assume you're quite busy with a lot of, uh, so is there like a waiting list or a waiting time or anything that people can get in to see you? Um, I'm about a week to two weeks out. That's oh, about that's all. Good. Yeah. That's wonderful. I, I, I try to keep it, you know, first of all, I have an unusual practice in that for a lot of people with me, it's a one appointment. <laughs> One appointment, they don't come back. They don't need they don't, to. They, they don't need to come back. Yeah. For some people, they've been with me for years because of their lives are big and whatever I do supports their growth and change and all of that stuff. So it's whatever people need. But the norm is that I have new clients every day, all week long. How wonderful. And I really want to thank you because you are a gift. And I know that you taught today all of the listeners something very special and this is i just had a feeling that we had to do it right now this time because there's a huge message for a lot of people listening and you have the answers and i'm so appreciative of you coming on my show today jules thank you for the opportunity to be able to share with everybody what i know and love and that's bursting out of me. You know, I have the thing in my in my astrology chart that says, you're here to give the good news. Who knew, you know? <laughs> that's right. And that's all you are, good news. <laughs> good news, Diane. I love it. I love it. We need to change your name to that. Okay. Thank you so much. And please come back and, and talk with us again. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.